practical tools to manage daily life, relationships, and your call well. All right. Yeah, don't say all right. Wait till see if they're good or not before you start shouting me down. So I love practical. I am a, I love hands-on, tangible, like meat of things that I can actually run with. Um, so these are just, you know, I think you've, y'all, y'all been with us long enough now today and last night to understand that, you know, we kind of are who we are. Take it or leave it. We're going to tell you a little bit about our life and um, hopefully it can be a help and an example to you. Now, what's really important in this message is it's going to be good to take notes because I will give you like actual strategic things, but also very much like Bob said in the first message um, that he preached today, I don't, what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to feel like you have to implement all of these things in your life. You're going to have things that I'm going to say that are going to be God-breathed for you for right now, for in this season. Take that and run with it, okay? How many of you have heard the uh, kind of the order? You can tell when I'm preaching versus when I'm teaching. If I'm preaching, I'm going to stand up, baby. I can't, I can't preach and sit down. It just feels weird. But then when I'm telling you all logistical stuff, I, I'll sit down. Like we're at a round table, family time. So how many of you have heard we have God? So let's say I'm married, I've got kids and, you know, uh, a ministry that feeds the poor and then I have a job. Okay, what is our typical order that we put stuff in? God? I love that everyone's answers are different. Typically, a lot of people would say God, spouse, kids, ministry, job. Right? Have you all kind of heard a little bit of that structure? Well, I'm going to take that and shoot it. Okay? We don't keep sacred cows in this family. We kill them and eat them for steaks and cheeseburgers. So there's God, and then there's everything else. It's not God, spouse, kids. It's No, we're going to run after God. And there won't be a piece of our life that he is disconnected from. And if we're running after him well, then each of the pieces of our life will actually take us closer to him. So when we're working in our job, we'll be able to see his face in our job. We'll be able to see his face in the person that we're connecting with. We'll be able to see his face in our marriage. We'll be able to teach how to to learn how to love through how we love our kids. It's God and everything else. Okay, that's foundation for practical. All right, Psalms 90.12 says, Teach us to number our days so we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. How many of you have seen the video that's gone all over social media? It's the guy that, he, does, he, he uses the average number of days that somebody lives in an example by using jelly beans. Has anyone seen this? Dude, freaks you out, doesn't it? He like, so he takes a third of the jelly beans and throws them away because that's how much of our life we're sleeping. And then he takes this percentage of the jelly beans and that's how much of our life we're working. And, the ta- and so he just, he narrows down the jelly beans 
And it's like this shocking revelation of how our days are numbered. The Bible says our lives are, are really but a breath in the, ske- in the whole grand scheme of eternity. So for us, numbering our days is wise. Okay? Somebody gave us the example one time. How many of y'all have heard the rocks in a bucket? Y'all heard this example for time management? It's a great illustration. So you have rocks in your life, and some of them are bigger, some of them are littler, as far as time-consuming and significance to be intentional to sow time into. So your marriage, your kids, your family life, it's a rock, okay? Um, Playtime, fun time, it's a rock. Work, it's a rock. School, it's a rock. So you have all these rocks of different sizes. And the problem is, is if we don't strategically number our days and plan them out, and put the big rocks in first, the bucket gets end up filling, just getting filled with sand. Sand is nonsensical wastes of time. It's time spent when you're bored playing on Facebook. Not that there's anything wrong with Facebook. I'm not anti-social media. I love it as much as the next person. But it's, your life can get consumed by the time wasters that become sand in your bucket, and all of a sudden, the week has gone by, and there's no room for the big rocks. Oh, we, you know, we've gone like three weeks and I haven't taken intentional time to look at my husband in the eyes and tell him what he means to me. We haven't gone on a date night because we've been so focused on the right now that we haven't even looked up. So what I would encourage you to do is take time after you leave here and look up. Look up, look at your calendar as a whole, look at your life as a whole, look at your schedule as a whole and say, what are the big rocks in my life? Who am I supposed to be doing life with? And even more importantly, who am I not supposed to be doing life with? Many people have friends in their life that maybe they shouldn't be friends with. And it's not necessarily a bad influence. Of course, we get that. And we, you know, we, I'm not going to go there because I believe you, you carry it, you know, the most high God inside of you and you can influence them and not be influenced by them. So I understand that. But, but then a lot of us have people in our lives that are just, they're draining. You know, Bob and I have friends that when we hang out with them, we know the ministry hat's going on. The pouring out hat is going on. Now, should the ministry hat ever come off? Yeah, it really should. Like there should be a time for Bob and I, we should have friends that we can hang out with we don't, have to, we don't have to pour into them. But if something comes up, then of course we're going to. But we, can, we should have friends that are just friends, that we can do life with, we can travel with, we can have fun with, our kids can act crazy with, we can laugh with. Everyone should have those people in their life that are mutually beneficial to you. So I encourage you, get out a pen and paper and say, Holy Spirit, who am I supposed to be doing life with? And what's scary is sometimes the names you hear are not people that you're currently doing life with. Well, but what about family? What about family when family's draining? Absolutely understand. I'm not telling you to cut your family out of your life. But what you do need is you do need to have balance. You need to have balance for the relationships in your life. So if your sibling is super draining from you, from your time, your emotion, your energy then you need to have people around you in your life that are pouring into you equal, if not above, how much you're feeling drained. Well, but it's the Holy Spirit's job to do that. Yeah, absolutely, but we were built for community. 
The first thing Jesus did, he brought community around himself. He had community. He had his disciples. He had his best friends. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16 is one of the lines that it talks about days being evil. Now, it doesn't mean that the days are from Satan. But how many of you have heard when or have kids? And, and man, one of the number one things I hear when people tell me all the time when they see me with my little kids, it goes by fast. Hear it all the time. Enjoy it. It goes by fast. Which is so true. And it's so endearing when I'm in Target and they're screaming and they're pulling stuff off the shelves and I just want to be like, but it's true. The days seem slow, but the years go by fast. The days are evil because one decision at a time, our lives are made in one decision at a time. Well, I know I said I was going to start eating healthy, but you know, this one thing is not really going to make or break me. Like, I'm going to eat this one healthy meal, and that's not going to go really either way. So I'm just going to do this one. But then all of a sudden, so many of us, we have our heads down, and we're just getting her done. We're just going forward. We're, life's crazy. Life's busy. And all of a sudden, we look up, and we're six months into one meal at a time, and nowhere closer to our goals. I'm not going to get off onto the science of the brain. I'm going to talk a little bit about it, but I, I'm, a, I'm a science junkie nerd. Is anyone else like that? I, like, I love statistics. I love science. I love, and my dad was a doctor, and, um, and so I'm, just, I'm a junkie for it. So I will spare you from getting too far on that side because I can easily do it. But the human brain is made up of your conscious and your subconscious mind. Now, don't lose me here. How many of you know the enemy cannot create anything? Do you all know that? He can't create anything. All he can do is manipulate. He can twist. He can, he can manipulate. He can't create. He's not a creator. Only God is a creator. So what has happened is, is there are biblical principles that God established as laws that the new age world has taken and run with, and they've taken God out of it. But they were biblical principles that they apply without God, and they still work. It's like the law of gravity, right? So if I take this pen, and I drop this pen, is it going to fall? Yeah, totally. Whether I say that God's involved in that or not, the pen is going to drop. Okay, so God made our brain. We have our conscious and our subconscious mind. The neurons inside of our conscious mind. Now, our conscious mind is everything we do that we are aware of and we have to think about. So like right now, I'm using my conscious mind. I'm having to think about what I'm saying to you. If I'm having a conversation with somebody, if, um, if I'm doing things that aren't just a part of my normal routine, how many of you have driven to work and you don't remember the drive or to school? And you're like, well, that was a little scary. Because not sure how I got here. Nope, I didn't run any red lights. Y'all had that happen? Why? Because your brain goes onto autopilot and you're literally, you can do it without thinking. It's your subconscious mind. Now, the neurons in your conscious mind move at a rate of 100 to 120 miles per hour. 
in your subconscious mind, the part without thinking, it's 100,000 miles per hour. So when people talk about, you know, it takes 21 days, it's actually more like 28 days to, to set in a habit. Have y'all heard that before? Why is that? Well, it's because you're actually recreating neural pathways in your brain to get your daily routine to go from your conscious to your subconscious mind. Because if you can get it into your subconscious mind where it's done without thinking, then everything else becomes easy. So if you get into the routine of, 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 of going to the gym and exercising, and you do it without thinking, it's just it's a part of your day, it's factored into your day, it's factored into your life. If you spend time with the Lord every single morning, first month, it's hard. You have to get up early. You're complaining, I don't want to get up early. I don't know. No, no. But then 28 days later, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, man, how did I survive without doing this before? Because you're actually physically carving new pathways in your brain. But see, how, how, one, of the, one of the many beautiful things that was, was created in our brain is anytime we try to implement change, your brain kicks into a defense mechanism mode that tries to get you back to status quo. It tries to get you back to normal. It's a defense mechanism, and it actually is beneficial for many areas of our lives. But for the areas of our lives where we're wanting to implement change, it's hard. Imagine if you go out and you have a trail in the back of your house. Let's say you're, you have five acres of property, and you really want to create a walking trail, but you don't have a tractor to do it. So, man, you go out the first day, and you take a bushwhacker, and you just whack that thing out. But if you walk that trail every single day for a month, is it going to be an easy trail to walk on? Of course. And see, and here's what's really significant in the kingdom. So you've bushwhacked this trail. And now not only can you go on it, but you can bring your friends with you. And then they take the trail and it gets bigger. And then they can bring people with them. See, when you're actually physically forming new neural pathways in your brain, you're increasing your breaker anointing for the generations that will follow you. You're... You're developing, you're developing systems and strategies by which your children will use your ceiling as their floor. It's so much farther beyond you. It's so much farther beyond you. Okay. One of the, Bob talked about anchors in an earlier session. I just wanted to give you two that, ours are all very similar. I wanted to add two to them. One of them is consistently having a heart of gratitude. Seems really simple, but for us, it's been life altering. I told y'all a little bit last night, there was a time in our lives when we were homeless and lived with friends for eight months and our car was repossessed and we had no money. We lived on peanut butter and jelly sometimes, sandwiches. Sometimes it was just peanut butter. And yet we were so thankful for the peanut butter. And to this day, when we go to the store and I can go to Costco and spend $200 and fill up the back of my truck with groceries, I, I get choked up literally every single time. Because I remember a day when all we could afford is peanut butter. Now, don't, oh, wow. Are we good? Yeah. Now, don't miss this. Are we at the place where I would love to be, which is 
having an absolute plethora of organic vegetables and fruits available to my kids at all times? No. Our kids eat fruit out of house and home. Like, seriously, if we got them as much fruit as they wanted, I think we could spend literally $1,000 a month just on fruit. But yet, there was a day when all we could afford was peanut butter. So being able to get a reasonable amount of healthy organic fruits and vegetables and meats for our family, I'm so thankful. So thankful. The other thing is don't ever stop dreaming. When we, when we were going through that season, we had a friend of ours who had this beautiful home up on top of a mountain. Actually, how many of y'all have seen the new We Will Not Be Shaken DVD video? Oh my gosh, go on iTunes, get it. We Will Not Be Shaken, Bethel Music. Listen to the song, No Longer Slaves, and meet Jesus. <laughs> it's amazing, right? I mean, like, seriously, crazy. Okay, anyway. Well, where that album was filmed, it was filmed at this guy's house. His name's Andrew, and it, the, the album was filmed at his house. And you'll see the view is just stunning. And so he's got this beautiful home that sits on top of that property. And we went up there about five years ago when we were right in the middle of all of this financial crazies. And we were just talking to him about some of our dreams. And, and our son, Cade, was a baby at the time, and he fell asleep on this little rug on the floor in front of his fireplace. And Andrew goes, and it was a, it's a beautiful sheepskin rug. And Andrew goes, man, he sure seems to like that. And I said, yeah, he really does. And, and so we're getting ready to leave, and he takes the rug, and he folds it up, and he gives it to us. And he said, here, it's yours. And every place that we've lived, that rug has come with us. And so when we were homeless, I had the rug sitting at the foot of our bed in our friend's house. And any time I was having a really hard time I would sit on that rug and it was an anchor for me in that season of oh Jesus I can sit on this rug and I can remember Andy's house and there were so many little things in Andy's house like lots of copper in his kitchen that I've always dreamed of having in my dream home and then the other thing that Bob and I would always do is we would go on dreaming dates we would, our favorite place to do it was Barnes & Noble because they had a coffee shop and books in the same place. So you could get out these massive books on log cabins and, and travel places. And it's just Barnes & Noble is just a really rad place to dream with the Lord. And then there was this one day where we could not afford our Starbucks dates. Like we couldn't afford the $6 for the coffee to go to Starbucks at Barnes Noble. And Noble. And I just was crying out to God going like, like I need this for my heart. Like, I need to have this dream time. Like, this is the time where Bob and I go and we sit down and we dream with you. And so I walk to my mailbox about 10 minutes after I'm praying about this. And sure enough, there's a $100 Starbucks gift card in my mailbox for my Aunt Kay. And see, it's little moments like that that you don't get, you get to see his heart in moments like that that you wouldn't get to see otherwise. Because he's concerned about our Starbucks states. As you're developing a history with the Lord, you realize what is significant to your heart. We may have ideas of what we believe is significant to our heart, but really because our heart is God's number one concern, we can look back over our history with God and we can see the areas at which he consistently cultivated our heart well. He stewarded our heart well. He shepherded our heart well. 
So just never stop dreaming. Never be done. All righty. Now I'm going to give you some practicals, okay? Number one, spend at least 15 minutes a day in the Word. 15 minutes. You can get, there's, a, there's actually a really great app, and I don't, I don't know the actual name of it, um, but it's red, and it's like, it's, I think it's called Bible, Bible in One Year. It's B-I-O-Y, and it looks, well, it's not really letting me pull it up, but it's red, and it has a little white thing on it with a big letter, red letter B, and it is a great app because it takes you through you get a little bit of the Old Testament, a little bit of the New Testament, and a little bit of Psalms or Proverbs. And it literally takes you 15 minutes to go through the app. So, and it has it all on your phone. So however much, if you're a smartphone person, get the app. It's a great way to just spend 15 minutes a day in the Word. If it's more than that, awesome. But if it's nothing, spend at least 15 minutes a day in the Word. Okay? All right. Number two, figure out your time wasters. What is wasting time in your life? There's also another app that I can't remember the name of it, but it, it tracks how, how many hours a day you spend on your phone. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a suck one, right? You're sitting there going, dang it! Because a lot of people think, you know, you think, oh, maybe I'm on my phone an hour or so a day, and then... No, it's actually a lot more than that. It's, it's shocking in how much time is spent on our phones. And it is. It's a time waster. Now, again, I'm not an anti-social media person, but I am an anti-social media person when the Holy Spirit's telling you it's, it's time to be done on Facebook for the day. I know we've all had those quickenings in our spirit. I have. Like, I really don't need to be doing this anymore. Like, I've, I've seen enough about what everyone is eating. I see enough about how everyone is feeling. And yet we, and then we stay on it. But what we're missing is that's actually the quickening of the Holy Spirit. And what's happening is, is actually the Lord is beckoning you. He's summoning you to say, look up. Look up. Sometimes it's look up, spend time with him. Sometimes it's look up, play with your kids. Sometimes it's look up, see your husband. But he's summoning you to look up. And if you're disobeying him, that's an area where it's not just, we're not, this, and this goes into my earlier message, we're not just saying, oh, well, grace will cover us. No, he's summoning you. And he's not going to summon you by saying, get off the phone. It's going to be a, hey, you know, I think you've probably spent enough time on that today. But he's going to give you choices. He's not a dictator. He's going to give you choices. Figure out your time wasters. Number three, prioritize. I'm not going to go into a lot of details about this because Bob did such a beautiful job about prioritizing earlier. But just write out a list of your priorities. What things are significant to you? What relationships are significant to you? And don't judge the person's priorities next to you. Bob loves to go to the gym. I hate the gym. Hate it. But it's his love language, and so I'll go with him, and it's like a little date time. Don't like it. It's not fun. Not a fan. <laughs> Have I said I don't like it enough? Okay. But I go. 
because it's his love language. It's a very big priority for him, and he's a priority to me. And he gets his nails done. <laughs> but he acts like he hates that. He really doesn't hate it. Yeah, let's have a little, let's have a little truth time right about now. Let's have a little honesty right up in church. <laughs> oh, that was awesome, baby. Sorry, I, I had to run with it. All right, next one, be expectant. Carry a notepad or a recorder. If you have a recorder on your phone, be consistently expectant. You know, with our kids, with Cade and Sadie, our two babies that are both deaf, um, they, without their cochlear implants on, they can hear nothing. Nothing. Cade, Cade, if you scream really, really loud, he will turn and look at you, but he doesn't know what you actually said. Sadie can't hear anything. You could shoot a gun off or do a jet engine behind her and she wouldn't know. But the moment you, that doesn't mean that there's not noise happening. When their cochlear implants are off, is it all of a sudden silent in the house? Did the kids all of a sudden stop making noise and Bob and I stop talking and the white noise of the air conditioner stop? No, of course not. That noise is always there. But without their cochlear implants on, they can't hear it. God is always speaking. There's always noise of heaven. But you need to be attuned to listen to it. You need to stop. You need to put your spiritual cochlear implants on and hear it. See, like Bob said earlier, obedience isn't going to start with Go pray for that person's arm to grow out and you'll watch it grow. It'll start with pick up the trash on the road. Are you going to be faithful with the small things? Are you going to listen in the small things? And then are you expectant to hear more? See, when somebody, have you ever had a conversation with somebody and maybe they're like, they're taking a phone call or they're texting? Does it make you really want to like pour your heart out to them? <laughs> no, not at all. You're like, whatever, jerk. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to share with you my heart. You don't care what I'm saying. But if you're talking to me and, I, and my body language is open and I'm listening and I'm asking questions and I'm digging into your soul to pull the gold out, are you going to want to talk to me? Are you going to want to share your soul, share your heart? Absolutely. So how is the Lord any different? He's not. He's a father. He's a friend. He's a brother. And he wants his kids, his, his siblings, his friends, to be expectant to hear what's on his heart. Have a notepad and paper. And if you hear, you, you, you get even just the slightest quickening of the Lord, man, write it down. So oftentimes you think, oh, that, that couldn't have been God. That was just me. I hate to break it to you, but most of us aren't really that smart. You know, I mean, like, really? I had this moment at church several, several, a couple months ago when it was the first Sunday with Ellie. And I had her all wrapped up in this little papoose thing. And one of the worship songs came on that I just love. And I was just lost in worship. And I was kneeling. We'd sit like kind of right there. And I was kneeling like right there. And 
was just worshiping and wasn't thinking about anything. And I had this thought of, man, it would be cool to have a picture of this moment because it's like she was redemption for us. She was, she was just, she represented so much. And so just our first Sunday to have her at church, it just, I just thought, man, it'd be cool to have a picture of this moment. And after church, this girl comes up to me and goes, oh, I, I saw that, what you were doing. And I was going to take a picture, but I didn't want to seem like one of those weird, crazy fan people. And so I just didn't do it. And I, of course, I didn't tell her, but I thought it was this interesting lesson for me from the Lord to say, how many times a day do you talk to me? And I think it's just me thinking something to myself. Consistently be expectant to hear his voice. And guess what? If what he says is actually, or if you write something down that's just you thinking, so what? You're going to write down nine other things that's him talking. Okay? Okay. Number five, use a calendar. Real practical. This is like basic 101. Use a calendar, use a schedule, put it in your phone, whatever you have to do. Use a calendar. Map it out, make it fun. Fill the rocks in your bucket well. Plan. Okay? I love spontaneity. We leave time and space for spontaneity. But plan. Be strategic. Set reminders. This is another beautiful thing with smartphones. You can talk to Siri or whoever you talk to, and you can set reminders on your phone. So if you're going to, let's say you're giving a presentation at your job, and your presentation is scheduled for 1.30. At 1.15, you can say, Siri, would you remind me at 1.15 that I am awesome? And Siri will remind you right before you walk into the meeting, man, Kimberly, you are awesome. And it seems like the stupidest thing because it's a computer telling you something that you said to yourself. But somehow, Siri saying, Kimberly, you're awesome. is like, you're right, I am awesome. I'm going to rock this presentation. So set reminders. Set reminders in advance. Set reminders so then that way you're, you're, you're planning things out. You're not, you're not wrestling. You're not running around. You're not running around like a chicken with your head cut off is what we call it. Okay. Number seven, I talked a little bit about this already, but say no. This applies to who am I supposed to do life with and what am I supposed to be involved in. Set healthy boundaries on your life. Don't say yes to everything. Saying yes to everything is going to overwhelm you and bog you down, and then you have no clue what your yes is supposed to be. A lot of people that are visionarians, how many of you are visionarians? Wow, that's a lot. So visionarians have a really hard time with this because you have a gift of being able to grasp onto anyone's vision. And I get it. I'm the same way. Like we had a lady that we were having a meeting with several months back, and she had this vision of doing a ranch, um, or not a ranch, but a, some sort of housing complex in Reading for missionaries to be able to come and rest. And so she's describing this dream to me, and man, I am there. I'm like, oh, dude, I could be your campaign manager. I could do that. And I did, didn't I? I, like, I was there. And, and so we left, and Bob's like, baby. And it was true. And I, and I had to come back and, and, and <laughs> repent because it was, it's one thing to be able to be a visionarian and fuel somebody's fire. It's something else to grab a torch, you can throw gasoline on it, and you can say, man, 
that's awesome. I believe in you. Hey, I have this person that you should connect with. They're phenomenal, and they actually have three houses that they're wanting to sell. Maybe you should talk to them. And you, should, and you can connect them, you can network, you can do all that. But actually immersing yourself in it, just because you can have a vision for it, that doesn't mean it's your job. It's not, it's not, that doesn't mean it's your responsibility. Okay? Say no. Set healthy boundaries. Number eight, make time for community. Make time for community. We were built for community. You know, it's interesting. I believe it's, I was reading an article recently, and I believe it was Norway, is listed as the happiest country in the world. And it's also the highest percentage of communal living. They just live in, in community. They move into apartment kind of complexes, where there's a community kitchen, and every night there's community dinners, and there's a community playground. And it's not like the communities here where it's like you pay an HOA fee and sometimes you use the pool. No, they actually do life together. And it's also the highest percentage of happiness in the world. See, we were built for community. We were made to live together. So what does community look like? Well... Sorry, I'm doing two things at once. Man, I used to be such a good multitasker, and then I had babies, and I feel like my brains came out with my babies because I just, I'm not as good of a multitasker. It's bad, huh? Bob's like, you're such a guy. He'll be talking to me, and when I'm in the zone on something. Oh, do y'all want to know something crazy? Do you know that men have a nothing box in their brain? This, I didn't know this. So, like, when you ask a man, yeah, all of the single women, this is going to help you out one day. When you ask a man, what are you thinking? And he says, nothing. He actually means nothing. Like, why didn't we get that? See, that is not fair. That is not our brain. Our brain is like, oh, wow, I really like that. Oh, that's a good color of red. Red is Bob's favorite color. Oh, my gosh, maybe I should get Bob a shirt in the color red. He really needs a new shirt. Well, but he also needs new tennis shoes, so I think we should get him new tennis shoes. Oh my gosh, my friend Christy wanted to get him something for his birthday. Let's let her get him tennis shoes. Oh, Christy, dang it, we forgot to take Christy dinner last week. We need to take her dinner. What do I want to eat for dinner tonight? That is our brain all the time. I want a nothing box. <laughs> Moment has passed. Jesus, I want a nothing box. This was revelatory. We even asked Bill at dinner at, on Thanksgiving. We, we had a dinner on Thanksgiving last year. Because this is when I found out about it. It was right before Thanksgiving. And I'm like, if anyone would not have a nothing box, it'd be Bill. You know, of course, he's like super revelatory and all the things that amaze him. He's amazing. I'm like, if anyone would not have a nothing box. And so I asked him, like, so do you have a nothing box in your brain? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, a space that you can think of nothing. And he goes, yes, of course. <laughs> and Benny's like, seriously? You do that? So yeah, when you ask what they're thinking and they say nothing, they're not trying to not talk to you. They're just literally thinking of nothing. Okay, I just, I feel better now that I've gotten that off my chest and I have no clue where we were. Okay, yes, I do. 
<laughs> bring it back. We're bringing it back in. Bringing it back. <laughs> And the men are like, thank you very much for validating the truth of life. <laughs> community. Community is an antidote to loneliness. It's an antidote to loneliness. We have some dear friends of ours, uh, Chris and Alyssa Kilala. I don't know if you know them. They're the worship, main worship leaders for Jesus Culture. And she recently had a baby that was born, stillborn at 34 weeks. And it was rough. It was rough on all of us, obviously roughest on them. And she posted something, and she's just done such an exquisite job of walking, of navigating the grief process. I mean, she's just done a beautiful job. She, Chris shared a story at Jethro's funeral that they, she had some issues with her epidural, so she had to go back to the hospital after they had left the first time um, to go and get her back checked out. And so... They're in the hospital, and the hospital plays this little jingle every time a baby is born. And when you haven't just lost a baby, it's actually really kind of a cool, beautiful sound. But when you've just, your baby died less than 48 hours ago, it's gut-wrenching. And so they were there, and normally there's like, we were just in the hospital with my son who swallowed the coin, and normally it's, you know, maybe three or four or five a day. It's not, there's just, it's not a ton on top of each other. And he said within about 20 minutes, there was like five or six, like right together. And it was right after they, re- they had checked back into, actually been admitted and checked back in. And, and, you know, of course, the first one or two, they're sitting there going like, oh, gosh, this is gut-wrenching. And on the next ones, Alyssa just started praying and prophesying into the lives of those babies that were born. And it was just like this, Satan, you're not going to defeat me, like, She's contending for these babies' lives less than two days, less than two days after her baby has is, is gone to glory. And so, man, it's just, they've just walked it out beautifully. So anyway, she, she posted on Facebook a, a couple of weeks ago, and she said she was just having a really hard day, and she wanted to kind of curl up in a ball on her bed and not see anyone. Because, you know, when you're lonely, how many of you when you're lonely and you're hurting and you're broken you just want to call into your cave and not talk to anyone does anyone know that and instead she did the opposite and she invited all of her closest friends over all of her girlfriends some of them that she actually I say close to some of them that she was really close to and some of them that she was somewhat close to she invited all these women over and they just came and brought food and talked and laughed and 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 it was the antidote to her pain Now, it didn't make the pain go away. It didn't make it stop. But it was like intentional community in the midst midst of sorrow. And so the next time you're feeling like you want to recluse yourself into life and you want to recluse into yourself, man, think of Alyssa. Like, think of somebody like that who had just lost a baby and just wanted to recluse herself from life and what she did instead. And take that as strength, and I encourage you to do the same thing. Surround yourself with good people that will pour into you. Okay. Um, Alrighty. I am in Exodus. Exodus 18. I'll give you a second to turn there if you want to. Okay, so this is a story of Moses and Jethro. Jethro is Moses' father-in-law. And... Moses' wife and kids have already been 
sent away. And so Moses is now having people. He's, he's, um, he's sitting before the people and he's having them come to him one by one, one after another, all day, from sunup to sundown. And so in 18.18, it says, so Jethro is telling him, both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out, for this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people, so that you may bring their difficulties to God. And I'm skipping forward to 22. Uh, Uh, Every great matter that they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So he's basically helping him to create some sort of structure by which people can come forward and get counsel and, and, and be judged for what they're doing. And so he says, every great matter they will bring to you. So in other words, the leaders that which you raise up will bring to you. And every small matter they themselves will judge. They'll deal with it. You don't even have to worry about it. You don't even have to think about it. So it will be easier for you. They will bear the burden with you. 25. And Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them heads over the people, the rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. Now, don't miss this. Obviously, those rulers are different people. There's rulers over thousands. There's rulers over hundreds. There's rulers over tens. Rulers over fifties and rulers over tens. So why is that important and where is that applicable to you in your life? Well, As you're running forward in your call, and you're building, and you're creating, and you're growing, understand there will come a point at which you are going to have to entrust your vision, your dream, your baby, and that's what it is. It's a baby. Like when you spend this much time with something, it feels like it's a baby. You will have to entrust your baby to other people. But if you want to get to the place where people can run with it, where it can become what, it's, what, what you see in your head it becoming, you have to be willing to trust them to run with it. Now, will they run with it exactly like you would? Probably not. But the reality is, is if they can have vision over a small thing, they can run with it to a level of excellence that you could never run with it if, you have, if, you have vision, if you're trying to have vision for multiple small things as well as the big picture. Does that make sense? You all understand that? Okay. First John 5, 4 says, Whatever is born of God is victorious. Are you born of God? Yeah. You are. It says he knit you together in his mother's womb. You are born of God. You are victorious. See, there's these constant wrestlings in the word like, we are children of the Most High God. We are joint heirs with Jesus. Overcomers get to sit with him on the throne. And then the reality of the fact that we are nothing without him. Nothing. We can do nothing. We can't function. We can't. Our very breath is given to us by him. It's the radical middle that Bob was talking about, right? So I think my biggest heart for you guys in all of this is, like Bob said earlier, don't take this as the fire hydrant full of water that's just blasting in your face. It's a lot of information. But I do want you to take the pieces of it that you can run with now and understand that a little bit of what I talked about earlier where if you have a vision for something that you're building and you're creating, 
how much of that can be done without what our idea of what we need. For our village right now, we need $6 million, like Bob said. But the truth is, is I see, a, I see all the things that he's brought up until this point that haven't taken a dime, but it has taken people. And people, the way you get people is you cultivate relationships. Cultivating relationships, building community, growing community. How many great businesses, great corporations, great nonprofits started as an idea between two buddies in a garage? And pizza. <laughs> that was a great branding commercial right there. You'll see that. I think it's like a Pizza Hut commercial or something. Like how, and then there's like, they're like, how many great ideas were birthed over Chinese food? And it, you know, obviously, like they're eating pizza because every great idea was birthed over pizza. It's a good commercial. Sorry. Bunny trail. But how many great ideas were formed with one or two people in a garage or in an apartment or in a dorm room and grew from there? And I look at things just as a perfect example. We have um, the IRS to get a nonprofit nowadays is not what it used to be, and it is a process. So we actually hired a company in, uh, I believe it's Texas, to, to do the nonprofit for us, to help us build it. And so they have to have everything written out, like, a, like a, our budget, our, our calendar three years out, our calendar of events, our job descriptions up to 20 employees, everything, as if all of the money is there. Which is really great for us because now, as the money comes in, man, we know exactly what every penny is going for, which is awesome. But one of the things that they needed that we didn't have a lot of detailed information on was the equine-assisted psychotherapy or the horses program for the kids that have been sexually traumatized, have PTSD, stuff like that. And we didn't have a lot of information on it. And to be honest, we didn't have a lot of expertise. And literally, within 24 hours of being told by this company that we needed that, the children's pastor at Bethel, his, his wife, comes and meets with our assistant. And she says, I don't know if this would be of any help to you, but I have a lot of experience with um, working with horses and special needs kids, and I'm administrative, and I can create your whole timeline of all the things that you need. <laughs> and I'm like, um, yes, please. And so we literally handed it to her. We're like, okay, here, take it. And she took it, and man, she ran. And I mean, everything down to the penny, detailed organizations that would actually donate horses to us that have already been broken in and trained. I mean, the whole thing, exactly when we needed it. Our branding, I mean, man, God spoke to us so clearly. He said, everything that you need is in your community. Everything that you need is in your backyard. And people told us, we had, we had some of our advisors give us advice to say, you know, I really don't think you can create a global brand in Reading. I really think you're going to have to go to L.A. to create a global brand. And this thing, like almost nausea, kind of rose up in me like, eh, I don't agree with that at all. And I don't have a picture of it or I'd show it to you. But, man, they, so, so this girl at Bethel ran with our branding, and we cried when we saw it. I mean, the brand is gorgeous. It's literally stunning. And so we see how each step along the way, God has provided exactly what we needed at exactly the right moment. So I just really want to encourage you guys. Know that from here to whatever there is for you in your life, there's a whole lot of steps. And our typical mindset of what it looks like to build that, our typical mindset of finances needed and resources and connections and networks and all those things that, of course, I don't have because who am I? God has all of that. And there are so many points along the way that you can do, that you're capable of doing. But you have to be strategic and intentional with your time. 
You have to do the rocks in the bucket. You have to plan. You have to schedule. You can't just understand. I get that there's seasons where you're just, you're putting your head down and you're going to get her done. But if you're trying to build something, if you have vision for something for your life, and I don't care what that is, that could be a, a better community around you. If you're trying to build a better community, man, you have to be strategic and intentional. Who are you going to spend time with? How are you going to schedule that time? Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Okay. Thanks, baby. I'm going to end with this, then I'm going to, I'll ask, give time for asking questions. I talked earlier about Nehemiah when Nehemiah was building the wall, and I actually want to read that verse to you because I just think it's a good one. So y'all turn to Nehemiah for me. I'm singing the song in my head right now. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. All right, Nehemiah 6.15. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. And it happened when all of our enemies heard of it and the nations around us saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was done by our God. You want God to be the one that builds your wall. You want it to be done by God. So when the enemy looks and he sees, when the enemies around you, when the naysayers around you, and you're going to have them. It's some of my favorite things when Jesus is talking about, and he's like, I could do this and you would hate me, or I could do the opposite and you would still hate me. Because you're always going to have naysayers. But man, you want God to be the one that's building your wall in such a way that when the naysayers look at it, they know it was built by God. I told Bob a few weeks back, I said, you know, don't get me wrong, it would be awesome. Somebody came in and said, I want to be your benefactor and just write you a check to make this happen. It'd be great. I mean, I'd weep and snotty cry and the whole night. But I'm like, but how rad would it be if every step along the way the Lord provided... So we need flooring in our 20,000-square-foot community center. And it's going to be done well. It's going to be done with excellence. And all of a sudden, there's a flooring guy that calls us and says, Hey, I don't know if you need flooring, but I just feel like I should donate to you 50 grand worth of flooring. And it's literally the property that God built. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sort of going, I'm not saying that's the way you should do it. You can do it however you want to do it. But man, wouldn't that be a cool story? <laughs> so just know that you want God to build your wall. And our responsibility on that is listening and obeying quickly to the quickenings of the Holy Spirit when he's telling you to manage your time well, to stop playing on Facebook so much, to spend more intentional time with him. There's this, my husband's niece, Jen, she and her husband, Brian, are the heads of Bethel Music, and it's just, they're just amazing. And she tells this story um, of one time she was getting ready for church. And if y'all, especially those of y'all that have kids, you understand when you're getting ready for church with your children, it's like always a little chaotic, and you're just trying to get her done. And the Holy Spirit just tells her, hey, I want you to sit down and play the piano. 
and just spend some time with me. And she's like, seriously, I'm trying to get ready for church. Like, I'm in a hurry. I'm like, I don't have time. And so after about the third or fourth time, finally she sits down. And she sits at the keys and she says, what can I do for you? What can I bring to you? What kind of song would you like me to sing? Cause I'll dance a dance for you. Pour out my love to you. What can I do for you, beautiful king? Cause I, I can't thank you enough. No, cause I, I can't thank you enough. And she waited. And she heard him sing back and he says, she said, to hear you sing to me, sing you, don't have to do a thing. Just simply be with me and let those things go. Because they can wait another minute wait. This moment is too sweet. Would you please stay here with me and love on me? A little longer I'd like to be with you a little longer cuz I'm in love with you man he just wants to be with you he just wants to be with you he is radically passionately overwhelmingly in love with you He's the lover of your soul, the one who bankrupted heaven and allowed his son to die on a cross so he could have connection and he could have relationship. And so oftentimes, somehow, menial things like social media take our time away from that. And man, he bankrupted heaven. Listen to the beckoning of his heart. Let him love your soul. Let him shepherd you. And let him build your, your temple and let him build your wall. Because on the other side, the relationship that you have with him will be one where when you get to glory, he won't say, you did all these great things, but you didn't know me. To know him is to know him intimately. It's to be connected with him, to have a face-to-face connection with who he is. Adam knew Eve, and they conceived a child. It's a connection. It's a, it's a physical, spiritual, emotional, face-to-face connection with the God who loves you more than anyone more than anything. And if it was just for you, he'd do it all over again. How can we not give him everything? How can we not stop? So, I want to pray for you. And then, what, what time does the next? I don't have the time thing up there. Oh, I have it right here. Okay, perfect. So we go till 2.20.
Okay, so I'm going to pray for you, and then I just want to open up a time. If y'all have any questions, we can do that. So, man, Jesus, I, oh, I just thank you so much for who you are. We just love you. We, we, we lavish ourselves on you. God, let it ever stay fresh in our mind what you did for us to have this access to you. Let that never become flippant. Let that never be something that we take for granted. And let our pursuit of your heart, let the fruit of our pursuit of your heart be where everything else flows. Let our lives be the fruit of pursuing you. That we will give you our big yes. We love you, worthy Jesus. Worthy, worthy, worthy Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you are more than enough. You are everything. That your timing is perfect. That you are not late. You are not early. Thank you, God, that your number one concern is our heart. Give us a supernatural ability to rest and trust in the knowledge that your number one concern is our heart. Above our call, above our destiny, it's our heart. So God, let that be our number one concern, that we would pursue your heart, that you would take us to the center of your heart and give us grace along the way. We love you, love you. Amen.